There's another artist, old, oldies. You know, my generation, we had some fine artists then. And by the way, it wasn't like I had the record or whatever of this man, but it was being played all over on radio and everything. And that's where I even got what I'm about to share now. The man in the ocean. He wrote a song about falling in love titled Suddenly. That's actually the chorus. He said, I used to think that love was just a fairy tale until that first hello, until that first smile. Then the chorus, suddenly, life has new meaning to me. There is beauty up above and things you never take notice of. You wake up and suddenly you are in love. Praise the Lord. From the sentiments expressed in all the medium that I have pointed out this morning and many more, we can see that love is a beautiful, it's a tender and deep feeling for a special someone. Therefore, it is no wonder when two people who have deep affection for each other when they decide to take their relationship to the next level in marriage, having the notion that their love for each other will last forever or they will live happily ever after. It is no wonder when people that are besotted with each other, they can't sleep, they can't wait until they see each other. It is no wonder for them to think that, oh, when we get married, our love will just sustain us. It will see us through. Whatever challenge that comes our way, our love will sustain us. But then, I ask myself a question. If this is so, how come we have couples who are once meeting with each other, who have pledged their undying love for one another, who have said, till death, do us part. How come they now end up going their separate ways after being married for as little as three months, two years, 20 years, or 40 years? How come some of our famous stars that we know who profess, oh, she's my only true love, he's my only true love, he's my rock, she's my rock, how come after all this, they will now, they, some of them will say, the moment I saw her, I knew she was the one. Within 72 days, some of them, like, I'm sorry to bring up, but we must talk about it. Kim Kardashian and Chris Humphries, 72 days. After saying, he's the only one, I knew he was the one. How come? An actress like Drew Barrymore and Tom Green, they ended up getting married but separated forever after five months. How come another famous uh, artist, Maria Lopez and Ali Landry, only two weeks they got married and after two weeks everything was over. There is one elderly musician now, Chair and a man she married at the time, Greg Alma, just nine days. 
Britney Spears and Jason Alexander, 55 hours, two days. Nicolas Cage and Erica Coyle, four days. And unfortunately, the former American vice president that I had so much respect for, he was Bill Clinton's vice president, Al Gore. I had so much respect for him. Only in 2010, he left his wife of 40 years and decided to call it quits. Is love really enough? Praise the Lord. Often when they give reasons for, to support their decision to call it quits with their wives or husbands, they will say, I don't love him anymore. I don't love her anymore. We are not compatible. We have irreconcilable differences. And you know, these are people before they got married. Maybe they were engaged for 10 years, 2 years, and you would think that those number of years were enough to make them stick it together because of the love they have for each other. Back home in Nigeria, we have had cases of couples getting married, calling it quits after a short time. In some cases, the reason some couple didn't call it quits is because of the social stigma. They have been detached from each other the longest time. But because what will people say? What scandal will this cause? They decide to still stick it out. Some of them will still be living in the same house. When they come out, they put up appearances. But by the time they return to their houses, they revert to the status quo. So it's a uninteresting and sorrowful relationship. These are many more observations. Leaves one wondering and pondering, is love really enough? Praise the Lord. I came across some quotes which shed more light on this phrase. A man called Quentin Crisp, he says, love may be the foundation, it may be the cornerstone, but not the complete structure. Praise the Lord. Another man, Dominic Ricetello said, sometimes being in love is not enough to make it work. Then, there is a poem by a man called, I don't know whether it's a man or a woman, but at least a poem by somebody called Nessie Q. He says, I am in love with you, and I thought it was enough to make us happen. I am in love with you, and I thought it was all I needed to keep me going. I am in love with you, and for quite some time I thought my love will fill in all the gaps. I am in love with you, but I quit. Praise the Lord. Love alone isn't enough. That's his conclusion. Praise the Lord. We have seen cases, practical cases, of born-again children of God, who got married, who prayed, who had so much love for each other. 
that they were ready to go it together without one of them having a job. It was actually the lady who had a very good job. So all of us then, I don't know whether it was inexperience or immaturity or we were not, it wasn't like we were young because this lady was over 25 when she got married. Somebody I knew very well, very, very well. One of them is my blood relative. And all of us were Christian, born again, Christian, Christian, Christian. Do you know what? By the time we got into the marriage, I wouldn't know when the cracks started developing, but the foundation was the man didn't have a job, it was the lady. And at the time they were getting married, people were questioning, why don't you allow me to get a job first? So that at least there won't be financial strain on the top. No, 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 no. Ah, we can we love each other. We are both Christians. We understand. Sixteen years after, three children to go. They called it quits. There was nothing we didn't do. Then she was staying at Lekki. She used to call me, just, I'm older than the husband, but she would send a message to me. She would call me whenever they had problems. Eventually, nothing could bring them together. As I talk, two of them are more than seven twins. Is love truly or really enough? Then, if we are saying that love may not be enough, what then are the other components that can make our marriages successful or to survive? The very first thing I will look at is consideration. Consideration. When you talk of consideration, it means you are thoughtful and you have kind regard for other people. From, for those of us that are married, you will notice that when the relationship starts, you are always considerate of the other person. You tend to be thoughtful. Oh, you wouldn't like this, you wouldn't like that. And we tend to care about each other's feelings. But after a while, we begin to take each other for granted. We, either one of the parties, will now start taking each other for granted. Ah, and then that is where trouble starts. This morning I'm appealing. If there is anyone here who has that kind of attitude, please don't take that man for granted. Don't take that woman for granted. Don't stop doing those things that brought joy and excitement into both your hearts. Those expressions of love, those tender words, those phone calls, those text messages, those sweet nothings, keep doing them. Be considerate and avoid what hurts your partner. As you are seated, ask yourself this question. Am I kind? Am I considerate to my spouse? I leave you to judge. So, concerning this issue of consideration, I have a key word, and that key word is be kind and if you are not taking anything away, just take those words. Be kind and considerate. Please, can you repeat it? The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. 
another thing in the marriage structure, apart from love, that can make it to be successful or to make it work is commitment. Please, can you say commitment? Commitment is a decision to go it together through the ups and downs of marriage. Commitment is far more than a passing feeling we hear or read about in romantic novels. It is for the couple to be willing to do whatever it takes to make the marriage work. At solemnization, when you are both joined, two of you pledged commitment to each other. You say, forsaking all other and being good to you as your wife. Listen, we all know all those things that we exchanged when we were getting married. Commitment is ensuring that those vows are upheld and strengthened. Those vows you made, that they are upheld and strengthened. That is why the Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 2 verse 24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they two shall be one flesh. So the key word I have for us in this commitment thing is whatever it takes, it must work. Please, can you repeat after me? Whatever it takes, it must work. Praise the Lord. The third point is perseverance. And perseverance in this regard, it means a steady, persistent course of action. In spite of difficulties and discouragement, you are steady. You are still doing some things in spite of things that are contrary. You don't give up. No doubt, marriage is tough. But the couple that exhibit strong determination to continue working on the cracks in their relationship until they begin to see some improvement, they are the ones that will enjoy on the long run. It is that knowledge that keeps pushing you through challenges, knowing God is with you. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5 says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. So the key word concerning this issue of perseverance is don't give up. Please can you repeat after me? Thank you very much. The next point to really, really making our love to close up for one another is communication. In marriage, it is a way of expressing your feelings and emotions toward your spouse. To sustain a happy, healthy marriage and have a strong bond with your spouse, it is essential that there is effective communication. And this communication we are talking about can be verbal or non-verbal. It is, you, you, you look at your spouse, the body language, 
You look at her, she's downcast. She doesn't know what to say. Maybe one time she tried to express herself, you didn't allow her. Or you are always making it seem as if you are the one that is trying in this marriage. You are the one that is making things work. But you, you are not even doing anything. You keep making it look like you are the only one who has the interest of the two of you at heart. You don't even allow her to be herself. You don't even allow her to say things that are really hurting her. You are doing to hurt her. Praise the Lord. In communication, you talk about your hopes. You talk about your dreams. You talk about your aspirations. You talk about your displeasures and disappointments. You talk about those areas where you think your spouse is making you unhappy. 1 Peter 3, verses 8 to 9 says, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or raining for raining, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are there unto God, that ye should inherit the blessing. Under communication, the key word I have for us is job, job, to avoid war, war. Meaning that, talk about issues, instead of allowing it to degenerate or escalate into fighting, the Lord will help us all in the name of Jesus. Another thing that is fundamental to make our marriages work, apart from love, is humility. And humility, according to the Merriam-Webster dictionary, means freedom from pride or arrogance. In a married relationship, humility is when either partner recognizes they are human, they are not angels. When they recognize they are prone to mistakes and are ready to admit when they are wrong. Humility is being open to each other's frailties and weaknesses without either partner showing or exhibiting any else superiority that, you know, may engender strife or animosity. Imagine if your husband or wife feels that she's better than you in every respect. Imagine if instead of being submissive, your wife talks you down, pulls you down at every opportunity. You are with your friends. She's always, you know, emasculating you, making you less of a man. You know, oh, look at you. Is this what you are doing? Is this what your friends are doing? You, you, you see the man, 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 God, man, me. Oh my goodness, that is no, that is no humility. Imagine the man putting down the wife. Uh, she can't even cook a nice soup. Every time, salt, salt, salt. Praise the Lord. Humility will make you to be selfless in putting your spouse's interest above yours, you are considerate in your dealings with each other. You do not insist on having things done your way at all times. Humility will make you to easily forgive any wrongdoing, knowing that you are two imperfect people 
trying to be perfect in the school of marriage. And so, under humility, the key word I have for us is humility in marriage is a sign of maturity and not weakness. Please can you repeat after me? Humility in marriage is a sign of maturity and not weakness. A very, very important factor is God. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 and Matthew chapter 19 verses 5 to 6, the Bible says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him an help meet for him. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. God is the author of marriage. If you leave God out of your marriage, it will fall apart. During the solemnization ceremony, where the husband and wife made pledges to each other. As they are making pledges to each other, they are also making their pledges to God as a witness and the one who will help them to make a success of the union. A Christian marriage is one that is centered on Christ. As we all know, challenges are inevitable in a marriage. And these challenges, they may stem from adjustments Two of you coming from two different backgrounds, trying to make things work. When I first got married, I got the shock of my life. When I was trying, I've been twin. I have a twin brother. So all my life, and I got married when I was 29 years old. You can imagine all my life, I have a twin brother. We would fight each other. We would talk about, against each other. Sometimes he would beat me up. Sometimes my mouth is very sharp. I will just give it to him. And he will say, I will kill you. I will kill you. I will run away. Or somebody will take me away from him. Imagine my frustration when I got married. I, was, I carried over the way I was relating with my twin brother. And I transferred it to my husband. Would it work? No. It took some time to adjust. But eventually, I realized. Because when I say some things to him, and he was if you see the look of bewilderment on his face, he will look at me like that, say, ah, ah, ah. And I will wonder, what? <laughs> eventually, I got the message. At the time, he had to tell me. Because I would say, ah, well, I used to say this to my twin brother, and he wasn't say, that was your twin brother. This is your husband. Ah, I learned my lesson. So, some of the challenges in marriage, they could stem from adjustments. Very, very important. Financial issue. Where there is no money in the marriage, wow, you can, there is nothing that can cause bigger crap than that. Emotional strain. You have issues of the emotion. When those challenges come, a strong commitment to God and His principles are the anchor that will hold the couple through those difficult times. We can also not rule out prayer as a very important weapon. At some times of crisis, when things go tough, when conflicts rear their heads, when serious misunderstandings spring up, a word of prayer to God 
can go a long way to melt strong hearts, calm, frail nerves, and turn things around for the better. God is a very, very pivotal aspect to make our marriages work. And the key word I will leave with us, a marriage centered on God can weather any storm. Praise the Lord. In all, we must recognize that love, though it is the very first thing on the journey to marriage, because if you don't love someone, you cannot marry the person. I'm not talking about those who have a skewed up notion of love. Some people marry some people because of money, because of other considerations. We have seen people, no altar of love, but because they know they can get connected to, you know, the now married. Meanwhile, where there is no love, ah, my goodness, it will be sorrow, it will be war, it will be heartaches, it will be turmoil, it will be storm, you know, but love, sincere, true love, coupled with consideration, coupled with commitment, coupled with perseverance, coupled with effective communication, coupled with humility, coupled with God, the God factor, it will definitely work. Love alone is not enough, but all these other important components are added value. God is love. Praise the Lord. And with these few points of mind, I think and I hope I've been able to open our eyes a little to the fact that love is not enough. Shall we rise? Shall we rise? I need the area. The Bible says God is love. And in John 3:16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Some of us standing. We might have had some nasty experiences in life that has made us to come to the conclusion nobody loves me, nobody cares, I can even die anytime, nobody will miss me. You feel all alone and lost in the world. For some of us, we are not capable of loving anyone because we have been hurt in time past by somebody we trusted and we are still holding grudges with the person. This morning, as we are considering the law, the, the, the concept of love, I want as many as are here in this assembly this morning who are wondering, nobody cares, nobody loves me, I'm all alone in the world. You need a hand to hold you. You need somebody, that's God in heaven, to be your friend. You need him to enfold you with his love. You need him to make you, that cold stony heart, to come alive. You need to let him into your life. And that is why this morning, as all eyes are closed, 
have given somebody the opportunity of a lifetime to consider letting God into his heart. He is the God of love. He is the owner of love. Who better can help you to love yourself than that's God, the creator, the maker, the God of love. You are here this morning. You want to start a relationship with him so that he will carry you, so that he will take you, so that he will melt your heart, so that he will help you to be lovable. You want him this morning. You want to really, really surrender to him. While all eyes are closed, can you just raise your hand up so that I can pray with you? You want a relationship with the God of love so that he will even help you. Do we have any such person in the house? You want this God of love to be your Lord. You want him to help you to love. Do we have any such person in the house? Amen. For somebody, you are not capable of loving anyone because somebody has hurt you. And because you are holding that grudge in your heart, you are not letting go. You have lost so many opportunities. If you are here this morning, the power of God to heal, to save, to set free is here. Can you just raise your hand? You need help. You need help. You need help. And he's ready to help you. Do we have any such person in the house? Praise the Lord. I just want to say to all of us, whatever the level we are in our relationships, with our husbands, with our wives, with our children, Jesus is all we need to heal and to be complete, shall we pray. Our Father, we want to thank you this morning. We magnify your name because indeed you are the God of love. Thank you for sending your word to us this morning. Thank you, Father, for the transformation that is going to come to our hearts, to our relationships, to our situations, by reason of the word we have heard this morning. Father, thank you in the name of Jesus. Our precious Father in heaven, I commit all your children, including myself, even before your throne of grace. And I ask, your grace will continue to be sufficient for us. You will help us. You will help us. For as many homes as are hurting, for as many husbands and wives that are, you know, that have grudges against each other, that have bitterness. Father, today you will remove the root of the bitterness and your love will, oh God, shine into their hearts in the name of Jesus. Thank you, our blessed Redeemer, for in Jesus' mighty name.